Audiologist, a Phonak podcast. Welcome to The Audiologist, a podcast series created by Phonak to offer audiologists and people interested in audiology new perspectives on hearing health topics. This series of podcasts is all about adults with severe to profound hearing loss. At the microphone is audiologist Bernadette Fulton. I'm audiology manager for severe to profound hearing loss at Phonak International Headquarters in Switzerland. And I'm delighted to welcome Laura Turton, a clinical audiologist from the UK, um, who's our special guest speaker for this episode. Laura is deputy head of the department at the NHS in Tayside in Scotland and was the editor of the recently published Guidelines on Best Practice. Today, we'll be talking about the importance of the assessment for the audiological management of clients with severe and profound hearing loss. This is something that, Laura, I do know that you are passionate about this. Can you tell me why? I well, First of all, the assessment is by far my favourite type of appointment. I don't know uh, why that is. I just find it really satisfying to get a really good start in the pathway. And uh, I remember when we were talking about all the different sections, I was like, I, I hope I end up with the assessment part <laughs> um, for, for this guidelines. Um, I just think that if you start badly, then it's very difficult to be able to recover from that. And uh, if you uh, collaborate with your patient really early on and it's treated as a partnership, then you can really achieve some uh, good expectations and, and good outcomes. One of the things that you mentioned in the guidelines, I think it's a topic that's probably underestimated in hearing care, is the importance of a treatment plan. And you said this has been well used by the NHS in the past. Um, I think about a treatment plan as being something that hospitals use for, you know, acute medical conditions. Um is it really applicable for hearing loss? Uh, yeah, completely. I think that it um, solidifies in a physical way something that you often agree or is implied with the patient. But I think that it allows you to uh, remain focused with each of your patients as to what you're doing and for them to also recognise the bits that they are doing. So if there's elements of self-management and that's recorded, then there's a level of accountability for both of you uh, that allows you to follow it through. So it isn't a a one-off thing. It's something that you repeatedly come back to at different points in the pathway in the journey, um, but it allows you to record and modify and uh, check expectations uh, and have something that they can physically take away that says, this is what we said we were going to do. This is what we've done over time. This is how you think you have uh, achieved at the end of it. Um, And there's something quite satisfying about having that all recorded all in one place. So you said um, earlier that the NHS have actually used uh, treatment plans for quite a long time, but do they use them for all of their hearing impaired clients or do you think there's something special about using the plan for adults with severe to profound hearing loss? My experience is they're used with everybody. Um, and uh, 
whether that's for somebody who has normal hearing and tinnitus or whether it's someone who has severe to profound hearing loss. It's something that was um, uh, pioneered by uh, North Wales NHS Trust and has then been uh, accepted uh, pretty much throughout the whole of the UK. I think that the nice thing about it for severe to profound hearing loss is it's a way of being able to remember that there are vast interventions that you can uh, offer your patients uh, that maybe aren't applicable for mild to moderate hearing losses. And so being able to uh, have a place that kind of reminds you of all these different interventions as part of that discussion, uh, I think can be very helpful, particularly if you're not seeing someone with severe to profound hearing loss that regularly. Uh, it's a nice place to be able to keep that information so that you can then discuss all of those treatment interventions without too much worry that you might miss out on things. So if I were um, one of the audiologists who doesn't see these clients very frequently, um, should I be doing, as part of the assessment, should I be doing special tests that I maybe don't routinely do with most of my clients who have mild to moderate hearing loss? And what sort of additional things should I be doing in the assessment? So um, I think that you uh, need ex an ex slightly extended uh, amount of time. So we do a 75-minute assessment rather than a 60-minute assessment with patients with severe to profound hearing loss uh, because you're doing a history that starts from the very beginning and you're taking your time to be able to go through stuff that maybe you would um, fly through a little bit quicker if they had a mild to moderate hearing loss because you're, you're almost trying to be a detective and work out are there any kind of things uh, that come up in that um, history that will help you help uh, come together with your treatment plan later on. Uh, you are looking at um, diagnostic information, uh, you know, as you would with anybody doing a pure tone audiogram. Uh, and we would recommend that you also do uncomfortable loudness levels because of understanding the dynamic range and the implication that might have around amplification and that kind of thing. Um, you would um, benefit greatly from doing some kind of speech testing because uh, it allows you to be able to uh, consider other interventions such as cochlear implant assessments in the future. And also just to get an understanding, I've quite often done speech testing and thought, wow, you are really, really struggling a lot more than I had realised. And I've got to a point in the appointment where I'm not certain how much you've even picked up of me because of how poorly you're doing on your speech testing. Um, but then you also need to look wider around uh, non-auditory assessment. So you need to also consider, is there eyesight problems? Is there problems with cognition? Uh, is there um, dexterity issues? Um, all of those uh, kind of things, as well as then being able to understand their needs and their wants and where they're struggling with their hearing. Um, and if you get those foundations right, and that leads to a nice comprehensive treatment plan, uh, then I, I think that it um, puts you in the best possible position to be able to support them going forwards. In the clinic where you're seeing two-thirds of your clients have severe to profound hearing loss, what does a comprehensive treatment plan look like in your clinic? So ours is quite different um, at the moment to uh, other centres. There are uh, some that you can get within the um, 
patient management system. Uh, we've steered away from that slightly and we use uh, a document that we've created here that just summarises for them a little bit about the issues that they've discussed with us, um, about the severity of hearing loss and some of their test results. And then it leads into, and we then had a conversation with you about what you uh, wanted uh, to manage your hearing loss going forwards. And then it lists everything and we delete out all the ones that they're not interested in um, or that they're or we'd maybe make a make a comment next to it saying might consider this in the future but not at present uh, and then uh, we would print that first half out for them if they wanted a copy of it to take away uh, but later on uh, there are um, other sections around if we fitted amplification if we've referred them to um, any other clinics for cochlear implant assessment for example or Baha assessment or something like that and then uh, we have like a, at their final follow-up what their outcomes were and how satisfied they are as part of that clinic um, and that's something that we've developed here based on seeing some of uh, the other ones that the NHS uses. So I think the British uh, Association um, of Audiology has recently um, suggested that the question of cochlear implants should be routinely visited during the assessment appointment and return appointments. Um and it should be revisited even if, for example, if in your original comprehensive treatment plan, you've said, tick, yes, we spoke about cochlear implant referral, but nothing really more than that, then would the plan also remind you to ask again? It can do. I mean, we use a, a tool within our patient management system called a hotkey. Um, and as part of our hotkey, it um, says at every assessment, is this patient suitable for a cochlear implant? Uh, and if they are, have you discussed it with them? And if you haven't discussed it with them, why not? Um, and that was based on the British Academy of Audiology and BCIG, the British Cochlear Implant Group, suggestion around that so that um, we could uh, ensure that we had a prompt. But again, it's you've got to remember that deaf identity and whether it's appropriate to go back. So there is flexibility around being appropriate and also being confident in being able to re-offer it again in the future because just because somebody has said no once doesn't mean that a future assessment, they actually haven't changed their mind for whatever reason. It was interesting to me too that you mentioned that you do get additional um, time in the appointment. It's a longer appointment than um, a routine appointment. But the other thing is in the comprehensive treatment plan that it might include management that's quite time consuming, like um, could be some um, communication training, could be some... Um, I always get acronyms mixed up, but tinnitus management using cognitive behavioural therapy. They're really outside the scope of a fast and very busy time-pressured clinic. How, how is that managed in the treatment plan? So it's not necessarily managed in our treatment plan. In our clinic, it's that we run uh, clinics 
parallel, if you like. So we have our busy routine clinics that are seeing patients, uh, you know, on a regular basis that don't have severe to profound hearing loss. And they are managed on a tighter timescale um, that we base our appointment times on recommendations from the British Academy of Audiology. However, when you compare, I think the recommendation is 45 minutes for an assessment. You just can't do everything that's appropriate for these patients in 45 minutes. And initially we stuck to that and we said, okay, well, we'll see what we can do in that time. But it became inefficient because patients were coming back for more regular follow-ups and coming back to our open repair clinics because they um, were struggling and it's because we hadn't addressed some of these things. So we then started to trial it where we were heavier on appointment time but that led to them not coming back more regularly and because of that we felt that it was more efficient to put the time in at the beginning um, and manage that pathway better so that we weren't then having to um, get them back for follow-up. So you really have been able to show that if you put the time that's required in early to making a plan to getting people on the pathway to really follow up on that plan that you actually see a reduction in the return appointments. So the yes. their satisfaction and their their um their needs are really better met. Absolutely. And you've addressed all the way through realistic expectations linked to the choices that they've made around interventions. So if they've only chosen to have a high-powered hearing aid upgraded, that they recognise that probably some of the problems that they're having at the moment are not going to have been addressed. If they've taken a wider view of that, potentially um, they have an opportunity to do that. And and all of that needs that time. So, for example, the, the NHS is fairly unique in the world because it's a, it's free to the client and universal right throughout the UK. If you're running audiology service as a business, can you imagine improvement from a business point of view from putting that extra time in? Absolutely. I mean, I think it depends on your business model and how you do it. Um, But if you are um, selling it as a kind of a a package, um, including the rehabilitation and, uh, you know, additional assistive listening devices and things like that, taking the time to be able to do that and explain the benefits of the technology that they're having, but also they're not getting people who are contacting you and saying, you know, well, I thought that this is what I was going to be able to achieve and I can't. So I either want a refund or I want you to see me again and and fine tune because there is a perception by some patients, no matter their degree of hearing loss, that there is that magic button in the software that if you just press it, then it, they're going to hear better. Uh, so I need that button. Said, I need that button. I know. <laughs> if only it was there. Um, uh, but, you know, to if you do have that, then it's, it's going to make your business far more efficient and um, uh, and you're not going to get that. I'm sure you'll get the odd one, but you, you shouldn't have as many repeat um, calls for please see me and, and just make that tiny tweak and that tweak's going to make all the difference for me. It's probably really hard because I know you see so many adults with severe to profound hearing loss, but can you think of someone that you saw who having a comprehensive treatment plan just was really effective. Can you give an example? 
Um, so we had a patient who um, hadn't been back to see us for years and years and years. Um, I think it was about uh, six or seven. So was on a model of hearing aid that we just didn't um, have in stock anymore, but was also um, uh, in that time we'd uh, changed manufacturers um, and we no longer did this manufacturer at all. Um, and we had trialed them with the new manufacturer that we were on at the time and they were really struggling uh, and so we kind of stopped everything and went okay we're going to go back to basics and we're going to uh, start an assessment again uh, and went through the full assessment process and then came up with uh, the, their bespoke um, treatment plan and that included getting the previous manufacturer in to um, help us fit their product because we didn't do it. Um, it helped us also look wider at remote microphones. It helped us um, be reminded of cochlear implant assessments. Um, and also because this person was quite young and uh, was really struggling with quality of life, we looked at things like access to work and we looked at things like um, peer support volunteer that um, uh, uh, support that we have here uh, and actually it just helped really refocus us with a patient who was struggling terribly to be able to um, adapt to the manufacturer that we were fitting at that time uh, and actually she's been very successful and it's been she's probably due her reassessment again now um, but she's um, not come back again and again and again I mean she was one of those where literally if you said her name in the department everybody went oh no she's back again because <laughs> She was struggling so yeah, much. I think we all so know those I think ones. sometimes, yeah, yeah, just just taking it helped us take stock with her um, and come up with a different way of managing her. So, just to recap the key messages from our discussion today, um, the best practice for clients with severe to profound hearing loss is a little bit different from a routine history taking that we usually do. Um, that the assessment should include a, um, well, of course, the diagnostic information, but also look at the non-auditory needs assessments. And you mentioned about dexterity and other problems that the person may have. And also talking about their communication needs themselves and being prepared to go back and reassess from the beginning to really find out what's at the bottom of this ongoing issue that they might be presenting with. So the aim is to improve outcomes by developing a comprehensive treatment plan that's, to use your word, bespoke, that's just particular for that individual. Laura, do you have a closing message for our listeners today? Um, I think just that person-centred care generally is... Um, so important uh, with people with severe to profound hearing loss and that if you can uh, start well, uh, then hopefully you can finish well. Thank you so much for joining us today, Laura. And I think many of us will be inspired to improve the assessment practices that we have with severe to profound hearing loss by trying to make, make a comprehensive treatment plan. And if you would like to know more about the guidelines for best practice in the audiological management of severe to profound hearing loss, please download a copy. They're available from the Phonak Pro website on www.phonakpro.com and look for severe to profound hearing loss. 
Audiologist. A Phonak Podcast. 